Welcome to Equosity, the podcast about all things equine with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of The Click That Teaches, a step-by-step guide in pictures, and many other books and DVDs on clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. Dominique and I have been talking a lot about feet recently, and this seems like the perfect follow-up on the podcast that we just finished with Susan Kane. In that podcast, Susan shared with us the story of a thoroughbred that she placed with a good friend of mine. And it was interesting because this is a six-year-old horse who did not know how to pick up her feet. So Dominique, I went up to visit her at her new home with her her person. And one of the things that we needed to work on was getting this horse comfortable, not just with her front feet. The front feet were coming along pretty well, but with her back feet, she was kicking out really dangerous, potentially really dangerous. And it's, it's always so interesting when you have horses who, and I'm going to put it in air quotes, who should know. This horse should know how to pick up her feet. She was on the track. She raced. She would have had racing plates put on. So, of course, she's had her feet done, and yet she was so uncomfortable having her feet picked up. And now we, when I visit her, she's so much better and so much safer, and the farrier can work on her, and it's a, it's an important step for a horse to go through. And you're going, you're, you're focusing in on feet for a very different reason, which you may want to talk about. So why don't you jump in and share why, why at this particular moment, the feet are a real focus for you. Yeah, because one of my three horses, Pico, the paint horse, I want to try to transition him. Uh, he's, he's shooed on all four right now, and I'd like for him to be barefoot. So... I'm preparing for this and I'm having discussions with my farrier and with professional to see what is the best way to do this. And about one of the reasons why I want to unshoe him, he doesn't have very good feet. This horse, he was in the show, in the Cavalia show. He actually did both shows, uh, both touring shows. And he's, so his feet has been handled a lot, but he easily loses shoes. You know, it's been like that for a long time. And about, I would say a month and a half ago, maybe, he lost a shoe and the farrier was on a, tr- on a hunting trip. So, because usually when one of my horse, if a horse loses a shoe, I'll phone the farrier and I'll ask if they can come as soon as possible to reshoe. But this time he was away really far for a whole week. So while we were waiting for him to come back, we put on a boot on the unshoed uh, foot and he was great with it. For a whole week, he went to the paddock, he was running with it, and he was really comfortable. And I thought, hmm, I'd like to try to transi- transition him with the boots. Because I've, 
when when um when I was heading Cavalia, a lot of the sh- the retirees when they would come to the retirement farm, I would ask the farrier who is the same farrier I have I'm working with right now. I would ask him to unshoe the horses. You know, they were retired and they didn't need most of them the shoes anymore, and so we unshoed a lot of horses. But some of the horses, we it was really difficult. They would be so sensitive. And in the end, you know, some of them we were not able to unshoe, and Pico was one of them. So, but this time, you know, when I was looking at him with these boots, I thought, hmm, I'd really like to try again. But this time to put all the, the, to try to be more successful, I will try to gather all the conditions that are necessary or helpful when you're trying in this process. And so, something I'm going to share with you guys over the next few cycle of shoeing because I'm getting ready to transition this horse with the boots. And of course, so many questions about which boot and when is the best time. But back to your question, what this brought for me was the need to make sure that putting the boots on was fun for him. And that it was not going to be a struggle because I'm at a boarding barn right now. And, you know, I don't want to ask the people to spend 15 minutes just putting one boot on. So I want to make sure that my preparation is such that the horse easily and voluntarily accepts the boots that he thinks they're fun to have put on. And so far, it's really easy to put the front boots on him. But the back feet, I'm feeling, you know, he's shaking when the boots are on, he's shaking his leg a little bit. It's like, what's that? So I wanted to talk about the foot handling because it's such a basic skill. And yet I see so many people or so many horses are defensive about it. Like this thoroughbred that uh, who's off the track, who's going into her new home without basic safe foot care manners. You just think that it's one of those givens that an adult horse would, in quotes, know. And the reality is that they don't. And and it can change over time. So you might have a horse who's always been really good at picking up its feet. And suddenly it's a struggle. And, and often that's an indicator that there's something going wrong. There's something that's uncomfortable for the horse that you need to pay attention to. How easy or not it is to pick up a horse's feet it's often a good indicator that you need to go looking for what else is going on once you have eliminated you know the physical causes then it's a training issue and sometimes it may be that you won't have to retrain you won't be able to retrain and you will have to go through a procedure you know if there's an abscess or if there's some other injuries, but even I would say that if you have created a positive association with the foot handling, it will help you a lot. If one day you have to go through some procedures that are not so pleasant for the horse, but the resilience will be there because there's so much positive history 
that overall, well, first of all, it will help you right. going through the procedures for the abscess or whatever, but also in the end, it, it won't result in the horse becoming difficult after that because sometimes that's what happens too. You know, the horse is fine and then he has an abscess or some something happens and after that, you know, he keeps the memory of the, the, the pain and of the, the procedure and he has learned that when I kick, well, the procedure ends more rapidly. You go away. So it's, it's, been, it's been efficient for me to kick and not to, and they, they're tensed, you know, because what, what we want is a horse that will stand still, but we want the horse to be relaxed about, um, you know, Huss handling his foot, his feet. And, and that's a training. Right. You shared a story from not where you currently are keeping your horses, but or I guess it was a friend of yours who was going to sell a yearling yeah. because the horse didn't have was kicking out when its feet were being picked. Yeah. I mean, he was he was not even a year old and he was he was given away because he was kicking when his foot were being handled. And, you know, this morning at my barn, I was there with um to discuss Pico uh, with the farrier and there was a new horse a baby and I looked at how things went and there was some preparation you know by the owner but I was looking at how it went with the baby and I thought there's so much that can be done there you know you you cannot expect your farrier to train your horse you know he has a job to do and then to just say well let's hope for the best you know I think we can do a lot in terms of preparation for the farrier with our young green horses. You know, when they come and they have to do all four feet, well, it takes a lot of time and a session shouldn't be that long in the beginning. For a green horse, you know, you should play with one foot, put him back, play with the other, not have like a, I don't know how long it lasts, maybe 15 minutes to do all four. That's too long, I think, for a baby. It's, it's too much to take in. Right. And so, yeah, I wanted to talk about that because I think that with clicker training, well, first of all, for me, the foot ham- handling is like a microcosm of all training. All the principles will be at play here. When we want to train a horse to not tolerate, but enjoy and be relaxed about his feet being handled, all the principles we've discussed so far will be in place. Yes. My, my favorite way of teaching feet is to think of it as a targeting exercise. And it's a, Absolutely. It's a combination of a pressure and release of pressure lesson and targeting, which, and that first part may make people's ears go shut. It's like, no, no, we can't have, we can't have, uh, negative reinforcement or pressure and release of pressure in there it doesn't belong but it, actually it's a it's a lovely and, and elegant way of teaching and Pando's a great the the little mini I trained to be a guide I so remember when she came she was nine months old did not pick up her feet with any degree of oh ease was very snatchy and of course she's a little horse so I could have forced them up but I think that's why she was so uncomfortable because I think people had forced her feet up 
And so she would, she was very snatchy. And I remember I was actually sitting in the same room in which I'm recording this, teaching her to pick up her feet, which may sound a little odd, but remember, she's a mini. So and a guide horse. Yes. So well, she wasn't a guide then, but she was a very mini mini because she was only nine nine months old. But I had her in in my house and I was sitting on the edge of a couch and she was next to me. So one of the prerequisites for teaching this is she needed to be comfortable being near me and she needed to line up and stand fairly quietly next to me. Well, on a big horse, that would it would be something similar. I might want a horse who was standing on a mat or just was comfortable at liberty having me come up and stroke the horse and walk around the horse and can I and I think that's important in the beginning not to do this on cross ties yes yes so I think it's okay to do it in the box or because if already you put them on first of all for a lot of horses cross ties are poisoned right you know they know something icky is going to happen so if you're going to retrain this I mean if it's not a green horse if it's a grown horse that you need to retrain I think you shouldn't start with um, with a cross tie. Right. So back to, to Panda, who was calm at liberty. If I'm going to have a horse so it's not tied, then before I can work on the feet, I have to work on everything that's involved in, will you let me approach you? Will you stand still while I approach you and stroke stroke your neck, stroke your shoulder. Are you comfortable with me walking around you? And those are not givens by any stretch of the imagination. No, you know, it may be that the horse, because I know for me, every time I check, are you okay if I stand next to this leg? Right. And sometimes the horse will be fine for three legs, but that back one there, he's gonna move away. Right, which is information. Yeah, There's a, it's information, yeah. and that's where it starts. You know, you don't start bending if the horse won't even let you stand next right. to their leg. Maybe right. that's today's lesson. Can I just stand next to your leg? Right, and I also, particularly with horses that are not yet good with their feet and are not fully socialized people, I teach them to pick up their feet so that I don't bend over. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to be bending over and putting my head at a vulnerable height and position until the horse is very comfortable yeah, picking yeah. up his feet, and, and which is why I do it the way that I do it. You have to stay safe. And and as a matter of fact, if you don't feel safe, it's because you're lumping. It's because you're, you're going too fast. You have to go right. back earlier, earlier, earlier. And so that you should always feel safe as you're progressing. Right. Safety always comes first. Absolutely. Yeah. And for me, it's a sign that my progression is, is balanced, that it's not going, I'm not going too fast. And that if I don't feel safe, it means that I have to look for an earlier step because I'm missing a building block there. Right. So with Panda, or with any horse, really, I have them. So I'm so the horse is next to me. It just so happened that with Panda, I was sitting down. And with most horses, I'm standing up. So with Panda, I would have one hand, uh, picture right at elbow level 
uh, slightly uh, above that. I've got one hand in front and one hand behind the muscles just above her shoulder, and your hands are there very gently. There's a slight upward angle of your hands, and what you're feeling for is movement. And on a horse that's very stuck, that doesn't know what you want, that a horse that doesn't want to pick up his feet because he's had years of bad experience picking up his feet, you may not feel much of anything. If you, if you listen very quietly with your fingers, there'll be a moment where maybe the horse takes a breath and you feel a little upward lift of the muscle mm -hmm. and you're gonna click, take your hands away and give the horse a treat and then you put your hands back there and again, what you're feeling for is any lift up and you'll click and reinforce. But you're not poking in and pushing harder to pinch in. Right, you're not there going, oh, I'm not feeling anything, I must need to push harder. You're not doing that, You're you're. nor are you absent. So you're not so light that the horse can't really feel you. It, your fingers are making a nice connection with the horse, but not going in so deep that they're moving away because, ooh, this, this hurts and it's unpleasant. So what you're feeling for is this lift and you click and you reinforce it and they, then they begin to figure out, oh, she wants me to lift my shoulder up and you'll, you'll see the shoulder blade lift up and you click and you reinforce that. And, and you could do this, it doesn't have to happen all in one session. You might do this over a period of a couple of grooming sessions, but pretty soon what you're going to see is that when you put your, your fingers there, they're going to lift up and now they're going to lift up more readily. They're going to lift up higher. And as they lift up higher, their knee comes up a little bit, mm. which is mm -hmm. your the next step in this progression. So you're not going mm -hmm. for the foot. You're looking for the knee coming up and yeah, forward. The softening of the knee. Right. And it's it's going to begin to come up just a little bit not very high, but the foot is beginning to have a little bend. And as it does, you're going to meet, you're going, so you're going to ask with two hands, but at, but you know that the horse is going to respond by lifting. And so instead of clicking, you're going to take your, whichever hand is towards the horse's nose. So if I'm on the right side of the horse, it would be my right hand. If I'm on the left, it would be my left hand. So we'll say I'm on the right side of the horse. I would take my right hand to the horse's knee and I would just let the bend of his knee, his, his knee cup into the palm of my hand. It's a lovely fit. And, and mm -hmm. as my hand, the palm of my hand touches the horse's knee, I'm gonna click and give him a treat. So then I'll ask again, the horse is anticipating, he's soft, he's relaxed, his knee starts to come up. I know it's gonna come up a tiny little bit. And so I reach down and cup my hand to his knee, click and treat. And pretty soon he's anticipating and looking for that connection. And so as he begins to understand that, oh, I get clicked when my knee touches your hand, you can start to move your hand a little bit. So instead of going to your horse's knee, you're going to go just shy of the knee. And 
he's going to lift his leg a little bit more, find the palm of your hand, click and treat. So now you're really up and running. So over a series of small approximations, keeping your loops clean. You know, when a loop is clean, you get to move on. And not only do you get to move on, but you should move on. So as you feel him bringing his knee that extra little bit, just that tiny little bit to meet your hand, you start to move your hand. So he's lifting his knee up a little further, up a little further. So you could take this in one of two directions. You could now teach him Spanish walk if you wanted, or <laughs> you could teach him to fold his, his leg up and into the position that you need for, for cleaning feet. So you've got your initial trigger. So your two hands touching above his elbow brings his knee up to your hand, click and treat. Now, because his knee is going up higher and higher, that means his foot is going up higher and higher. And so this is where you now add in a second target. So you're going to target the bottom of his foot. And I will often, and this can sound really clumsy, but if it's not that hard to do actually. So I will often target the bottom of his, of my horse's foot to my foot. So I'll touch at the shoulder, he brings his knee up to my hand, and then as his as the knee comes up and his foot comes off the ground, I'm balanced enough that I can let my foot touch the bottom of his foot, click and treat. If that just feels too awkward, then... You can use your other hand. Then I use my other hand. But the beauty of this is I need to think it's a target. It's not, yeah, yeah. I'm holding, taking hold of the foot. No. All I want him to do is bring the bottom of his foot to the target of whatever I've chosen, my hand or my foot, click and treat. And it's not you stealing the foot, it's the horse targeting your hand. Exactly, exactly. Or your exactly. foot in this case. But yeah. And, and this, is, this is why this changes them, because so many of the horses, their experience has been, as soon as the foot comes up... It's no longer there. The foot is grabbed, and it's held, and, it's, yeah. it's, and, and the person doesn't let go. We've all seen the, you know, the person who's standing there, and the horse is, is pulling back and forth on the leg. And the... Well, that's what people learn, because, of course, you know, what's the motive? You cannot let go of a horse who's swinging, because... People have been taught you're going to teach him to to not give you his foot. So don't let go. Don't let go. Right. So you know if he's if he's pulling back and forth and pulling yeah. and pulling and you let go, you've just you've just reinforced pulling. That's exactly what lumping does. Right. The horse was not ready, was not comfortable because you know what you've described so far all through these steps, one of the criteria should be relaxation. I had to reteach Bonanza to give me his feet because he was very snappy, especially in the back. He would lift it so high. You know, it was like, I'm lifting it under my belly. And it was, I, it didn't feel safe to me. It was too quick. That's not what I wanted. I just wanted him to be relaxed and just put his foot in my hand. And so for him, 
I clicked a lot for letting me touch his hoof and not lifting the leg. Because for everything right. you teach, you should teach, you know, the opposite to make sure things are balanced. And I was looking for, can you be relaxed when I touch you there? You know, when I touch your foot, can you just stay relaxed and not just kick it up like this? And then and he would take it down just as hard as he was taking it. You know, it was quick and hard and it didn't feel safe. And I wanted calm and slow. Right. And you know, there's a point when you have them in your hand, you're not holding the foot. It's just lying in your hand. And you can feel the moment when they relax. Right. And they can take it away anytime they want. You just don't click. That's all. It, it's no no harm done. They took the, the foot away. You didn't struggle. You, you're just not clicking. And then you may revise. You may revise your plan and say, okay, maybe I went too quick because he wasn't ready to give me this duration yet. But when you're starting at the shoulder, what you're starting with is the horse lifting up and that lift up really helps them to balance so if if the horse is leaning down on a leg or, or it's not... is green because the baby won't know how to balance you have to teach the baby right what this does is it really helps the horse to find his, balance. his own balance so that he can relax yeah and present the foot present the foot yeah. so when you're first starting in this process those first couple times that the horse rests his foot in your hand and it's your hand is just a target right. and you have to keep saying to yourself my hand is just a target because we've anyone who's had horses has spent you know has has the habit pattern of the foot comes up and you take the foot and you stabilize you hold the foot because you're going to be cleaning you know digging mud out and all the rest of it and you've got to stabilize the foot to do that your the foot is not just resting softly on your 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 hand you've closed your hand around the foot to be able to dig that stone out of or that that really clumped in dried in mud but not in the teaching process but not in the teaching but our habit pattern so our habit pattern is that we take the foot. So as a handler, what I have to really remember is that's not what I'm doing right now. That as soon as that foot is resting on my hand, mm. it's not my cue to close my hand around it. I'm just letting the toe of the foot rest softly in the palm of my hand, click and treat. And I'm gonna do that many times. So I'm gonna ask for the foot, the knee comes up, I target the knee, and as I target the knee, that frees my other hand up to receive the foot. And now I've got, because the knee is, is up and I can adjust through where I receive the knee and, and then support. So what, what very quickly begins to happen is my hand that's targeting the foot now becomes my hand supporting the foot. And the horse appreciates and receives that support, learns how to use the support that I'm offering. And now I can then I can begin to adjust the height. So some horses they, they need their foot held lower, some horses they're more comfortable a little bit higher. I can 
feel out where is this horse's balance guiding me to where I need to hold the foot. And then I can start to play the rest of the game. You know, will you will you rest your your foot in my the palm of my hand a little bit longer? Can I begin to tap on the bottom of your foot? Can I hold your foot? Can I pretend to clean your foot? Can I take a hoof pick and brush the bottom of your foot? Can I dig a little bit out of your foot? And doing all of that through a series of approximations. Yeah. But I really love it, introducing and reintroducing the foot care through this targeted process. And it's it's not the way most horses were taught. Yeah. So because you're, you're reteaching it, in a way that's not as familiar to them, you're bypassing the poison cue expectations. Yeah. And you're building, you're building a new history of positive yes. experience. Yes, you're building a new <laughs> and history. You are not doing this when you have to clean the feet. You're doing this when you, because you don't if you at the end of this session, if you have if you think you're retraining, you have a defensive horse, you're retraining, and at the end you're cleaning the feet, the foot, I think you're lumping. Right. I think there should be lots of little times when you go in the box, you just take the feet, and you click and treat a few times. You're not, you don't even have the hoof pick in your hand. Right. For many of the horses, say you just got a new horse, and he's arrived in your barn, and you don't know what he knows, you don't know what the holes are, so you're going back through what I think of as, as the universals. So in the, the clicker training, they're really, they're, they're different phases to the training. In the first phase, you're introducing, it's really even before, you're, you're just doing some basic socialization of sometimes just sitting in the barn, letting the horse get to know you without asking for anything. But then we start in with the foundation lessons. We teach the six core foundation lessons, yeah. which teach so many things, so many of the basic principles and of clicker training and that really show both you and the horse how to use the marker signal and it stabilizes the basic manners and well i think the grown-ups are talking are really important because when absolutely you feed your horse you want to feed him where the perfect horse would be so you don't want when it, let's say you're playing with the back legs i mean the horse will tend to reach with his head all the way back when you click but you have to come up and and feed him between his shoulder blades so that well so his head is between his shoulder blades yeah you right, feed him right. like you do in the grown-ups are talking foundation lesson i think anyway because i don't want my horse to I don't know. For me, it seems that it's better manner if I can work with the feet and come and, and feed you in the front so that you're not always bending and trying bending to... Bending around like a pretzel. Yeah, and right. trying to mug me while I'm, I'm trying to do this exercise. So I think right. that's an important foundation too. Right. So with, with, these, with my, this, this new horse that you've just brought into the barn, you may be spending a few days introducing 
the basics of the clicker training, or you may just be spending a few moments depending upon what his background is. Can you even go in his box safely? Yeah, that's right. You might have thought, oh, this horse is really well-mannered, and, and I rode him at the farm where I bought him, and he seemed really great, but now you've brought him home, and things are falling apart because he's in a new environment, and he's he's lost all of his friends, and he's emotionally not coping terribly well. And so, you know, there, there are lots of different scenarios. Or you might bring him home, and he's absolutely wonderful. And so you run through the first approximation of the foundation lessons, and he's pretty he catches on really quickly to the targeting. He stands really nicely. He's not particularly muggy for the grown-ups. You've got a perfectly, you've got really nice manners, and he backs up nicely, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it might take you only a couple moments to review the pick up the feet. He picks up his feet beautifully, great, on to something else. But what I found is for a lot of the horses, even if they pick up their feet well. If you go back through and reteach with this scenario that I've just described, often what you do is you go from, yeah, I have a horse who picks up his feet nicely to an absolute superstar. And those the lift of the leg in the way that I'm describing gives you leg flexions that are really, really phenomenal for keeping a horse in condition, for, for helping older horses maintain good back strength. It's, it's it you're never doing just one thing with with all of this so we go from the foundation lessons into what I refer to as the universals and the universals are those things that we do with all horses it doesn't matter whether you ride English or Western or even if you don't ride at all we all groom our horses we we need to put halters on them they need to have basic leading skills and we need to pick out their feet and with a new horse, it might be a lesson that lasts five minutes, or it could be one that lasts... Two months. Yeah, that goes on for a much longer period, depending upon what the history of this horse is. And there's no rush. But when you talk about, you know, this isn't... When you're going through this, this teaching process, it's not about, and today I'm going to clean out this horse's feet. Because if you have a horse who's really difficult about having his feet cleaned out. He probably has not had his feet cleaned out in a while, and he could go another few days while you work out the the, the training of it before you really start to say, okay. Well, maybe you can ask someone else to clean their feet while you're retraining so that after that there's a new associate. You know, let someone else be the poison cue. Right. Maybe you can't clean the feet at all because there was a reason why this horse hasn't had his feet cleaned out for a while. There's no... Well, there has to be a reason. He's learned this. Right. But if, he, if he's gone, the point is, if he's gone this, you know, if he's gone the last two years without having his feet picked out, another couple days won't make that much difference. You know, in most cases, occasionally you get a situation where the feet are so badly overgrown, et cetera, et cetera, that, and, but that's a case where you need to get, you know, the vet and the farrier involved. But even for the vet and the farrier, like, you know, like I was saying, I think it's, it's an owner's responsibility to prepare the horse for this and to make sure that things will go as you know, well as possible by giving the best preparation. And I think this 
And there's also, because we're talking about teaching the horse, but the person too has to be learning because this is a different mindset. The targeting mindset is different. The more you master the principles of, you know, our positive reinforcement training and the more you think in terms of having a horse who voluntarily participates in all the husbandry, the better because, and this is, it's different from what people are taught. So we have to reteach ourselves too. Right. And it raises one of those, that one of the common questions. So in when you're first teaching the feet, you're on high, you're on very high rates of reinforcement. Once you've gone from the the process that I just described, you also may want to teach what most people know of you know can I slide down your leg and will you uh, shift your weight and click and treat? Can I go a little further down your leg? Yes, click and treat. Can I go all the way down to your ankle without you worrying? Yes, click and treat. Can I go down to your foot? Yes, click and treat. And so you're you're on these really high rates of reinforcement because you're asking for these little, you're asking really little questions. You know, can I just, can I stroke down your leg just a little bit further? Yes, click and treat. So you're asking these really tiny, tiny questions. And so somebody watching who doesn't really understand clicker training, who's new to clicker training, who's maybe never seen it before, is going to be looking at this going, well, this is for the birds, this is gonna take forever, and do I have to do this forevermore? And the answer is no, because as the horse understands the process and becomes more and more comfortable, you're not going to be clicking and reinforcing every one of those tiny, tiny little questions. Those questions are are well answered. So you might now just uh, begin to stroke down your horse's leg or you, begin to move in the case of the process that I just described earlier. You've, you uh, put your hand out towards the horse's shoulder. His foot comes up. He's holding it beautifully. You stabilize his foot so that you can clean it and take the bristles of your hoof pick and really clean it out and do whatever it is that you need in terms of caring for that foot. And then uh, there are various strategies for having the horse set his foot down lightly. One that I've seen that I really love is you you wait for that moment where you feel the horse lift up slightly in his shoulder again and then you release the foot and so he can set it down really gently. And that lift is a great prep for riding. That extra lift is just the, another way of building that the suspension and this idea of you lift up and carry yourself, not pull down and carry yourself. You can have a cue that says to the horse, you know, I've finished cleaning and now I'm just going to give you a little indicator cue that says I'm going to release the foot. There, there are lots of, of things that you can do so that the whole process is lovely. So now the horse has put his foot down and you have a, a choice. Do you click and treat? Well, if you're in the teaching phase of this, absolutely you're going to click and treat that. And then you'll move on to the next foot and you'll go through the next foot. And as needed, you'll be clicking and reinforcing your horse through what through this phase as needed. But pretty soon you're going to have a horse that 
you know, you point to the foot, he lifts his foot up, you stabilize the foot, you clean it, you let him know that he can um, set his foot down, he sets his foot down, he's ready for the next foot. And the question always is, well, do I have to reinforce all of that? So I want to talk about that for a second. We know that the value of reinforcement, and we know, I think we're, a lot of time we're in a hurry to be less generous. And I think that's a mistake. Yes, I agree. Because you, in time, for sure, it the whole thing will become so positive that it will be really easy to go through it without, you know, giving food. But when you start being a clicker training trainer, I think you have to own being generous and not caring about what other people think you know because if you if if other people are looking at you and you're thinking oh my god they're gonna think I treat too much I don't know for me it's it's something that I completely own it's some I would love to have a t-shirt that says you know I give carrots and I own it (laughs) well I say thank you you know, even more to the point. So we, when when you're little, your parents teach you to say please and thank you. And there's all these reminders. Did you say thank you? Thank you. And, you know, that, that we learn to say please and thank you. And please and thank you smooth the path for so many things in terms of our social interactions with others. And with the horses, I, I think... There are many reasons to click and reinforce. And certainly when you're teaching, that's a really clear reason why I'm clicking and reinforcing, because I'm making clear to my learner what are the things that are working, that yes, that that little piece of of the puzzle, you just successfully figured it out, and I'm gonna click and reinforce you for that. But then once the puzzle is solved, my horse knows the puzzle. He knows how to pick up his feet, how to hold his foot so that I can work on it, whether I'm cleaning it or trimming it. And so it's a, it's a solved puzzle, but I'm still going to say thank you. And I just think that's important. So places where it seems appropriate to say, thank you, you did that really well, I'm going to click and reinforce. But I know some people are self-conscious about that and they feel that or or they're thinking other people will think it's not legitimate training. He's doing it for the carrot. And yet, you know, and we've talked about this in the past, the whip and the and the, the um, yanking is considered legitimate training. So it's, I think it's part of the journey to be comfortable right. with the fact that we are reinforcing our animals and right. it's fine. It's part of the just the general education. It was really entertaining a couple weekends ago I there was a this huge I, and I still am just flabbergasted by the size of it so south of where I live there is one of apparently it's one of the biggest yarn and wool festivals in the country there's like one or two others that are of comparable size so this is a picture, the, one of those big fairgrounds, showgrounds. We've probably all been to them for one occasion or another. 
this one is a huge fairgrounds and the buildings instead of being trade shows filled with things for horses that you might want to buy like i don't know um halters and saddles and bridles instead of that it's trade booth after trade booth after trade booth of yarn and on saturday there were 45,000 people through the gate Forty-five thousand for yarn. I'm just, I'm just, I, I'm both astounded, and then also there's a part of me that's totally delighted because in this age of iPads and cell phones, high-tech cell phones, and everything else, that there, that there are all these there's knitters still out some there. Traditions. Yes. That well, love. anyway, the reason that this is relevant is because there's a small part of it in which. They also bring the fiber animals. So there are, mm. are alpacas and sheep, obviously. And the... And cashmere uh, goats, I'm sure. And cashmere goats. So the cashmere, the, the Sister Mary Elizabeth, who has the herd from which my goats come, she had taken a small number of the goats down, including three the three that I had at the barn last year that so that I raised. So, of course, I had to go down. And we set up a pen just outside the barn uh, with panels and set up some obstacles for the goats. And through the day, uh, we had the goats out there working through the obstacles. And these are young goats. They're, they're yearlings. So they haven't had, they, they've not had exposure to a lot of crowds. So we're going through all of the, just because you're an eager beaver at home doesn't mean that you might not yeah. be a little bit, you know, worried or looking and that the the level of performance might not be quite as keen initially as we would expect it at home. And that was indeed the case that there was a little bit of, oh, I'll jump these this set of obstacles over here, but I'm not sure I really want to go to that mat which is closer to the big crowd. Which is closer to all these people that are hovering over the fence. So I, you know, I have to think about this for a moment. Fair enough. But what was so interesting, Dominique, was listening to the comments mm. about the food. Mm. Because I'm clicking and treating, and there were a number of people who recognized what I was doing. Oh, that's clicker training, and, and that's yeah. fine. But then there were others, oh, they're just doing it for the food. And yeah. and that was, you know, that's just the beginning of it. And and I was having a silent chuckle because, you know, it's it's interesting to hear how people see it and perceive it when there's no the explanation behind it. It's just their initial this is what what their lives have taught them how to how to perceive, how to see it. And and I definitely had a private chuckle listening to all of this. And I think but it didn't keep me from oh, I guess I won't use food. It says, I just did what I was going to do anyway. And and I was uh, actually on Patience. I was so proud of her because I, I taught Patience before she left to go back to the convent. I had taught her a very solid lie down. And it's so cute because she lies down next to you. It's really a darling behavior. And I was working on having her lie down on each of the mats that we had. At first she was 
oh, I'm not so sure in this environment, but I'll lie down on, we had a raised platform and she was very comfortable lying down on that. And then I picked the another one that I thought she would be really comfortable lying down on. And bit by bit, she became uh, much more eager at lying down and people were watching and they're cheering her on. And, you know, I'd explain that, that this, what was going on with her learning. And um, that was really fun for them to see the approximations. And I think, you know, the same thing with the feet. And the feet are pretty obvious, especially if you have a horse that is Defensive. pulling away or is is uh, either planting his feet or kicking out, that it's pretty obvious that, you know, we need to give them, they need to be on a high rate of reinforcement. And I think f- for the most part, people see that more as, oh, I get why you're doing that kind of behavior. It's actually a, a, a good one to work on initially if you are feeling a little, you know, what does this clicker training stuff do? Because it's so powerful when you see really how quickly horses will pick up their, their feet. Then I have, I have to tell another, another story because a I think it's... Story? Another another story, but not a goat story. Uh, not a goat story. Not a goat story. Though I could tell a goat stories about teaching them to pick up their feet. One of the reasons I taught, or one of the side benefits of teaching patients to lie down, was it made it much easier to do her feet when she was lying down. Yeah, we um, do that with the dogs. Yeah, yeah. Where they can, they they're lying on their backs. It's so much easier to cut the nails. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, yeah. this was this was a this was a long time ago. This is a peregrine story, and because of his stifles, you had to when I would clean his feet, there was a uh, an angle that I needed to hold his hind leg at, where he could be comfortable, and we had worked this out. I knew I knew where to hold his foot. But my farrier, when he came, mm. would hold it where he was comfortable and where he was mm. where he would normally hold a foot. Mm. And that wasn't comfortable for Peregrine. And so there was always this tussle back and forth between the two mm. of them. And so I finally I I you, you you took your courage and talked to your farrier? No. Or? What I did is... No, you retrained your horse. No. What I did is I had my vet come out at the same time that the farrier was there. And the three of us had a conversation. Yeah. But I had primed yeah. my vet. Your and vet. we talk, We were talking about Peregrine Stifle and the... Uh, what was going on there, and that his leg really needed to be held here, not there, for the joints to be comfortable. And and so the three of us were having this conversation, and the vet or the farrier was, you know, oh yeah, yeah, you know, with the and and we're they're busy there talking anatomy, and I'm just standing back, clicking and feeding, and they're doing they're talking about. Confirmate the way the confirmation of the bones and the muscles and all the rest of this. So the next time, the farrier was out. He started to tell me, "Yeah, you know, there's some horses you just have to hold the foot. In, uh, you know, you have to hold the foot a little differently because of the way their their conformation works and the way their joints are. And they'll be so much more comfortable if you hold it here instead of hold it there." And I just smiled sweetly, nodded my head, and said, "Yep. Oh, really? Really? That's so interesting." 
So the bottom line in that is, you know, you really do, it is always a study of one. And so when you're working with the feet, it, it is finding where is this horse comfortable having his foot held. In some horses, it's a little higher, some it's a little lower, it can be, you know, more medial, whatever, but finding those positions because and, and we can certainly sympathize with this. If I came and, and took your arm and said, oh, I'm going to hold your arm out here and up and back and around to the side and your muscles are screaming, pretty soon you're going to be trying to pull your arm away. And so we need to make sure that the horses... And it's even worse because, I mean, here we're talking about a flight animal and you're holding on right, one of its right, legs. right, right. So everything in him is saying not a good idea. That's right. So you really have to show them. Yeah. They have to learn that it's all right, that nothing bad. And we absolutely happen. can show, you know, it, we, we involve them in the game. A game. I think that's a very important word because that's how we should right. approach it. I'm going to go play yeah. feet with my And horse. it becomes just a, a nice targeting exercise it leads to many good things. So not only can you now clean out your horse's feet, but you have this lovely leg flexion that contributes to their overall soundness. And you're you're not, oh, now I have to do the feet, dreading it. It becomes a really comfortable thing. And you've done, whether it's a young horse or a horse you're retraining, you've, you've taken the time to go through the training so that it becomes easy for you on a daily care basis and possible for the farrier to work with your horse because the the better your horse is the more you can hang on to the good farriers if your horse is a problem yeah the the yeah that's true the good farriers are gonna they're you know they they well it's hard for them physically you know it's dangerous yeah they can't afford to be injured and and they do a lot of horses and that fatigue is that gets to them I and mean, a good farrier will certainly absolutely work with you as you are going through the retraining process and they'll be an important part of the retraining process yeah but you cannot expect the farrier to do it for no. you no and if you neglect it so that when the farrier comes out, and if this is the horse that, you know, is, is pushy and is difficult, et cetera, et cetera, they're, they're just not, they're not going to work on, they're not going to want to work on the horse. It makes it more difficult to do a good trim if the horse is pulling his foot away. And so it's, for many, many, many reasons, it's important to put the work in, in terms of yeah. doing the foot care. So you're going to be putting the... And it's so, so satisfying yes. when you go from a horse that was defensive and not relaxed to in a few, let's say, weeks or months even. Or, or really, you know, weeks or months, that would be on an extreme case where you're dealing with a horse that... And that would be fine, you know? I think that people should not feel this not validated. Well, but 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 by when you say weeks or months, I don't want people to be misled in thinking, oh, this is going to be. I mean, when I so when I say it's an extreme case, I'm talking about 
the wild-caught Mustangs, the horses who have extreme abuse in their uh, past, you know, horses of that nature where everything is going to be a little bit longer than, you know, the normal horse that you've just... Yeah, but I'll tell you what I don't like about that is I don't want people to feel they're not competent if it takes them whatever time it takes them. You know, it's not a race, you said at the beginning. And I really believe that, that you go, you're at your own pace and your horse's pace, and it's normal. Whatever time it is, it's normal. It's fine. You may have to, you should always be progressing, is what I think is my guide in terms of, am I on the right route or not? If I'm progressing, I'm okay. If I'm not progressing, then I should get help or revise my strategies but if there's progress don't worry about how and for many of these things you know if so if something is taking a really long time and it feels like a struggle what it means is you're missing some underlying pieces you're missing some key components so you go have a cup of tea you think about it you say all right what am i missing that needs to be put in place first so each step in the training can actually go really fast because you're just looking you're looking it can but it depends on also the skill level of the training it does it does go really fast because if you found the underlying component and it can be a really small component so if you found if you've if you've looked at your training and you've said all right let me break this down and look at what are the pieces that I need to have in place before I, I go to this next level and this next level? Then each one of those pieces is a small step and, can, and will often go very, very quickly. And when it doesn't go very quickly, you want to look at two, two main places. One is, what's going on with my handling? Is there something in my handling? So get out the video camera and let's see what it looks like. That's right. So useful. Or is there something physically going on with my horse? Maybe my horse has Lyme disease mm-hmm. and, 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 he, and his joints hurt. And that's why I, he's so reluctant and I'm not making progress in picking up the feet. And I didn't realize that that was going on. You know, so when, when something is going super slowly, and it's, it's not that the overall arc of going from nothing to I have foot superstar, that can unfold over a long stretch of time. But the individual pieces, the small components, those lessons will begin to accumulate and you'll you'll be feeling as though you are making really good progress. And if you're not, then it may be that you haven't broken the lesson down into the small enough pieces where you found those underlying components, which are easier to work on than going straight to here, horse, yeah. pick up your foot or, you know, what, or here, horse, get on the trailer or here, horse, I've slapped a saddle on you and I'm going to climb on board and oh, wow, he just bucked me off. Those are, I'm just using the extremes. Well, not really, Alex, not really. <laughs> It happens a lot. I think that the main reason why, you know, there's difficulty in horse training or animal training is lumping. Yeah. That's what we learn. The beauty of the clicker training is how we No, I don't. Well, the good trainers all know how to break things down in small steps. But on top of it, with the marker, we have that kind of precision that make us even more observant. 
and make us even better splitters. Right. So these small components, they do progress. And the whole, you know, loopy training, when a loop is clean, you get to move on. And not only do you get to move on, but you should move on. If a loop doesn't get clean fairly readily, then that means that you need to look, you need to look at what are the components, what's missing, because I'm I'm probably asking for too big of a loop, too big of a lump. So, you know, let me let me see what are the underlying pieces here that I can teach and within my loop as that gets clean, I'll move on. And remember that a clean loop includes a good, a wanted right. emotional state. Stress is not part no, of a it good is not. loop. It's not clean if it's stressed. But we have to say it's emotional behaviors. So how do we perceive the stress? What are the behaviors that we're seeing? And what are the behaviors that we want to see? For me, when I describe how I want, what I want to see, eventually, you know, when like Woody, he will always pick right. before I even, he knows because it's a chain. Huh? The four legs are a chain. But let's say a horse that is less advanced um, and that I have retrained. For me, I want a lot of softness. I want the knee to bend very softly. And then I want to feel that I can target or that the, the, the foot will target it in my hand and there's it's soft, you know, and it's not going up, it's not going down fast. That's for right. me, those are my criteria. And and generally I always like my horses to be calm and not some horse some people do like energetic horses. I like calm, relaxed horses. That's right. Well I I like energy when energy is appropriate and I'd like stillness when stillness is appropriate so if I'm picking out the feet having uh, a lot of foot movement is not appropriate to that behavior so it's what is appropriate to the at this time that's right at this time that's right so you know and, and what that leads us to then is a horse that is comfortable being handled and he knows how to stand still he knows how to pick up his foot, and he also knows not to pick up his foot. You know, that you you quoted that mantra for every yep. behavior you teach, there's an opposite behavior you must teach yep. to keep things in balance. So if I've spent a lot of time working on feet and reinforcing my horse for picking up his feet, and then my horse sees me and he says, oh, you are now the cue, you know, that's become the opportunity for me to pick up my foot, and you, of course, are going to click and reinforce me, and then I don't. I'm now putting my horse into an extinction process because I forgot to also yeah. reinforce four on the floor. Yeah. Sometimes you just want to touch the hoof to see if there's heat and you don't right, necessarily right. want him to pick up. And you want to be able to tell him that right. right now, this is what I'm doing. You don't need to pick up. Right. I'm getting the dirt off your foot. Yep. Yeah, or I want to feel a digital pulse or whatever it is. So right now, I'm stroking down your leg, but it's not the cue for picking up your foot. So I need to differentiate the the con through the context. This is when you pick up the foot, and this is when you keep the foot on the ground. And I need to have worked on that so that I'm not inadvertently putting my horse into an extinction process. And then I need to prepare my horse 
for the farrier because I could have a horse who's great for me, but refuses to pick up his foot for the farrier because farriers equal bad experiences based on past experience. Yeah. So that's another whole layer of the training. It's it's really comp feet are feet are fa- they're they're fascinating. They're fascinating from the training perspective of how do I teach and prepare my horse so that he'll pick up his feet for the daily foot care that I need. How do I prepare my horse so that he can work with the farrier, the vet, anyone else. Maybe I've got a body worker who's coming and I need the horse to be comfortable with people handling him who don't have that day in and day out relationship. And then, you know, there's all the complexity of, all right, with feet, and this is beyond the uh, the training discussion, but then it gets into, do I, in your case, do I keep the shoes on? Do I pull the shoes off? Do I put boots on? How do I prepare my horse for the boots? How do I pick the boots? Yep, I want to talk about that. Yeah, if I'm doing my own trimming, do I, how do I know what to do? And if I'm not doing my own trimming, how do I evaluate the job that my farrier is doing? You know, is, am I, is, is my farrier doing a, a good job or is he leaving the foot in a balance that perhaps does not suit my horse? And how do I evaluate all? Feet are just... So there's so, so, so much to learn. And basically, we're just scratching the tip of the iceberg here in terms of talking about the the, general outline of how you would teach a horse to pick up his feet. And then just that whole emphasis on what an important part of the training it is. And by going through this teaching process, I think you learn a lot about how clicker training overall works. And so it's a yeah. it's a really useful thing in the early phases of clicker training to be to put some focus on the feet because it's a great place to learn both more about your horse, more about training and more about good foot care. And as I go on my journey of trying to uh, transition Pico to barefoot i think it would be great to address some of the topics you've mentioned yes. you know yes and see what we can learn more about farriers and feet and how to care for them that's right that's right so at this point i think we've reached a great stopping place so we will pause here and i'm sure that there will be many more discussions about feet in future podcasts Looking forward to it. Right. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And I also hope you'll check out my new podcast, Horses for Future. Manda Scott joined me for a superb interview with Jane Myers, the developer of the Equicentral system. Good pasture management goes hand in hand with good foot care. So while you're thinking about foot care, do please check out the Horses for Future podcast. You can find it on SoundCloud and also on sequestercarbon.com. And do please also check out the Horses for Future Facebook group. Horse people can make a difference.